Hello and welcome to today's Nido Propcast. I'm going to be joined by Brian Welsh, who's the Chief Exec at Nido Student. I'm Andrew Teacher from Blackstock Consulting. And there's clearly loads to talk about in terms of the market. Lots, uh, lots going to change, obviously, over the next year or so following the vaccine, hopefully as well. Um, but let's, let's go straight in and hear from Brian and, and discuss some of his thoughts uh, as we come to the end of what's been a pretty tumultuous year. Uh, so, Brian Welsh, it's obviously been a tough year for you guys in the, uh, the, the PBSA sector, um, much like your cousins in hospitality. Um, you, know, you, you have had a fair bit of pressure from, from all sides. What, what is the investor sentiment now looking like as we head into 2021? We're standing on the shoulders of a vaccine. There's obviously uh, still quite a lot of anxiety about the economy uh, and about real estate more generally. So, so where, where do you guys sit in the, in the PBSA sector? Uh, I guess that's, that's, that's the question we've been asking ourselves for the past 12 months or so. And, and bizarrely, the, the, the projections that we made 12 months or, or, or at the beginning of the, of, the, of the pandemic, let's say, um, have largely held true. We've, all, we've always been anticipating that one way or another, the vaccine would start to be coming to a close ahead of the September 2021 academic year. And now we're seeing uh, that vaccines should be widely available in Q1 of 2021. We know that lots of students want to go to university. Universities want to welcome them with open arms and governments are supportive of getting those 18, 19 and 20 year olds um, out to university to continue their educations. We're seeing evidence of that every day when we talk to students who are currently in residence with us who, who are saying they they are still happy to go to university, even in full knowledge that they may not be attending face-to-face lectures. Um, and so, so the, the, the prevailing sentiment in the sector is that September 2021 will be back to largely business as usual with very high occupancy levels. And that's not to say that September 2020, or the 2021 academic year, is a write-off. Far from it. Uh, across Europe, we've seen very high levels of occupancy. It can be no surprise that investors are more comfortable having their money in PBSA than in, in hotels or hostels who are seeing uh, significantly worse occupancy, particularly with local lockdowns taking place in different um, different countries across Europe. So overall, investor sentiment is mm. remains pretty strong for students. Uh, we are seeing investors who maybe took a pause over the summer while they uh, kind of worked out what was going to happen in September. Would students go to university? Would universities be open? Uh, would any universities go into administration or experience really significant financial difficulties and be allowed to, to go under by uh, local governments or central governments? But we haven't seen ev- any evidence of any of those sort of worst-case scenarios. So there's a definite um, increase in investor activity going into Q4 this year, and uh, and there's a bit of a sense of momentum building into Q1 2021, where the, that sort of... Um, mm. Almost, almost uninterrupted growth in student numbers uh, is expected to continue. And how how do you see the the international landscape holding up? Because clearly, a large part of certainly the domestic purpose built student accommodation market in the UK, and and, and certainly a large part of the, the 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 flows through Western Europe are driven by global student flows. How are they predicted to 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 hold up over the next? 12 months. Well, it's fair to say they certainly have been affected in September 2020. And we still have students even now at the end of November, as we record this, uh, moving into our residences where they've been able to clear um, 
regulatory hurdles or, or, or issues around visas being deli being delivered late or university course start dates moving around. So we're still seeing some international students finally uh, finding their way to their uh, to their ultimate university destination. And, but we, ha we have seen going into this year, certainly in the UK, uh, speaking as the, the most mature European market, we're seeing, a, we're seeing a large uptick in the number of international students applying to study in the UK, particularly in the Chinese and Indian demographics. Uh, we are seeing a flattening off and a slight reduction in EU applicants, but that was always a reasonably small proportion of, um, of students at, at British universities. So we're seeing um, mm. that unabated growth of uh, the middle classes in, uh, in China and India in particular um, has, hasn't stopped and the, the attractiveness of a European education and studying in a local European language that hasn't uh, that hasn't mm. diminished in any way so and do you see it is there going to be a consolidation then do you think with 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 the core UK locations where where some of the more peripheral former polytechnics for example might might see a bit of a a, a drop-off and, and where actually the, the 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 richer students coming in from the far east are going to say look we're going to just focus on on the russell group universities but i think it has always been the case that the more prestigious the university the more applicants you get and the more prestigious the city as well or the more internationally renowned the city the more internationals you will get so if we look at london for example you've got the some universities with a very very high international student waiting up to 80 percent mm. in some cases so it's london followed by the uk second city of newcastle <laughs> then <laughs> yes absolutely right absolutely right uh, but for, for uh for what you find is that international students for cultural reasons might gravitate to a particular a particular city and if there's a big chinatown like yeah it's a huge huge chinese contingent in manchester for example absolutely right so you do find um uh, chinese students gravitating to manchester and and Liverpool and, and and other cities for sure, um, but isn't that that uh, and they will choose like like any British student will choose. Hey, can I get Oxbridge? Can I get Imperial? Can I work my way down the Russell Group? Can I move into the into the um, uh, into the different universities beyond that as well? So you definitely see that it's not just the university and the course; it's the university, of course, and the city, uh, which is which is um, all of which are drivers probably in that kind of order of uh, priority for international students. But I think what we need to remember is the international, the overall quantum of international students is growing. So there's a, the, the, the pie is growing. So you don't need a, you don't, you can have the same proportion of the pie and get more students the following year. So international students are absolutely are a driver. And I think government policy is suggesting that they will continue to be a driver in the future. Mm. So uh, given everything that we're likely to see happening across the European economy over the next couple of years, what, what, what are the sorts of things that investors are asking you about PBSA as an asset class? Given you know, given what we know about interest rates, given that, that we can see inflation starting to pick up, given that QE isn't going everywhere, and, and, and given obviously there's a lot of volatility and depression in, in other real estate asset areas. Uh, well, again, great question. I mean, what are, what are investors in, interested in when they're ch choosing where to deploy their investors' money or their capital? Uh, well, currencies clearly a part of it. So people who like to invest in Europe like like the nature of the single currency. That that makes it easier um, to to cross borders without uh, incurring additional hedging costs. Uh, but equally, people are looking at the UK and the pound and saying, "Well, I'm buying the UK at a discount." So that feels quite good as well. So the, the currency can work in different directions. People are looking at the long term um, 
long-term horizon for interest rates. And I think the general general view is that interest will, will remain low for for a protracted period of time, which makes any any investment which uh, which has the potential to grow in excess of that uh, uh, RPI or in excess of RPI pretty attractive when your interest rates remaining fixed and low. So um, I think investors are looking at that. But fundamentally, 90% of the time we spend talking to investors about investing in uh, purpose-built student accommodation in, in any jurisdiction is talk fundamentally about the supply and demand dynamics in that micro-location. So it's a it's a macro play, but it's a micro game. You can you can build a the the, the wizziest, uh, most amazing student accommodation building, but if there's no um, strong university and no strong demand, then you, 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 it doesn't matter what currency, what interest rates, or anything else. The fundamentals of the business are incorrect. Yeah. So it's the residual value of the location. Uh, yes, I would say that. And there are, of course, multiple other factors. So what do you pay for the land? What does it cost to build? Uh, how defensive is it? Is there, mm. Are there a million brown, brownfield sites between you and the university that could be developed? So I, th- I think uh, I think it's, it's multifaceted. Um, but investors, I think with a maturing asset class like this, in investors' minds, uh, it's a safer. It becomes safer as it becomes more understood. Mm. And how important is the platform? Because again, you, you're you're correct certainly to say that actually that you know the real estate is great, and if you've got academia as your anchor tenant, unlike a lot of retail establishments, academic you know academia isn't going anywhere. You know, academia isn't going to have a we're not going to have a challenge about the covenant strength of. Manchester University in the same respect as people are now having a question marks over Pret and over some fashion retailers. So that 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 ship's fine. We will bank that. In terms of then uh, the the platform and the operational element within PBSA, how how much of a key driver is that for investors? Because clearly, you know, somebody can pitch up next door. They can build uh, a, a development that's shinier and newer than yours if they choose to, and if they've got money to do that and if the opportunity arises but clearly having that platform and having that that depth of of data uh, and that coverage across europe is it's almost a defensive asset in its own right isn't it yeah yeah it, it is i mean these are uh when i started out in this business 15 years ago um institutional investors weren't interested in getting involved in purpose-built student accommodation because it felt too granular it was multiple individual tendencies and operation is quite intensive. Uh, students as a market can be complicated, and it's more than just um, buying a building on Oxford Street and renting it out to a tenant on a fully repairing, insuring lease for 15 years and going down the pub, um, which is what real estate investment used to be like. But over that period, we've seen this operationally intensive real estate investment be much more interested, interesting to investors, much more accepted by investors. So the very granularity of it um, is, has actually become attractive. A bad year in PBSA is 80% occupancy or 90% occupancy. A bad year in retail unit is 0% occupancy. So, so investors have become more comfortable with that. But it's, it's not right to say you can be completely complacent about that, about that risk. It means we need to sell 1,000 rooms um, in a 1,000-bed residence every year. Uh, and some of them might come through returners, but most of them you, you're reselling every year. And that gets down to what does your marketing campaign look like? What is the, What does every conversation every day happen with every student? How effective are your maintenance regimes? Uh, fundamentally, is the building safe? Can people move in? So you, there's, there's so much going on uh, to operate these residences and give each of those students a great experience 
every time they come through the door. So not only do they have mm. a great experience themselves and think about rebooking, but they give you a great word of mouth referrals to their friends. They get a great reputation with the university, and you build this community that people really want to be a part of. So we've we've built up some sort of some level of expertise with that within Nido, where we focus very much on building that community and and giving everybody that great experience. We focus hugely on student well-being. We just won uh, the class conference award for the best student well-being program in Europe, which we're super proud about because we've invested very heavily in that to give those students, um, as you know, during the pandemic, so obviously compounded a lot of the work that we've needed to do, but to give all those students a great experience. So uh, this operation, operationalization of real estate has clearly uh, been one of the big prevailing trends over the last four or five years. And it must be quite nice to see that the, the, the your colleagues in the office and retail investment spheres are, uh, are almost kind of, they've been looking at what the PBSA and residential sectors have been pioneering and, and almost taking it for themselves. This focus on service, this focus on technology, this focus on well-being that was never there before um, uh, is now something that everyone's talking about. And that, you know, that's something that you guys have pioneered, right? Absolutely. Well, it's, I guess it's, it's um, to my mind, it's something of a continuum where, where as, a, as student accommodation businesses, we are to a point reflecting our clients and reflecting society as, as people become, um, I, I would say, more demanding of their suppliers and uh, by extension, more demanding of their landlords. So at the forefront of that has been purpose-built student accommodation, housing 18 to 20 year olds. So their first housing experience has been, has been with us. And that includes broadband internet, includes included inclusive utility bills, and you, you pop to reception if your shower's broken and somebody comes and fixes it a few hours later, and all all of these good all of these good things and giveaways and uh, high speed broadband, whatever whatever else it is. So so that's that's people's experience as they as they move into housing for their first time now, and and they I guess come to expect that of their of their housing and later life as well. And also from the so looking now at um at, at these new asset classes which are emerging like built around like co living, um it's pretty natural that we found a way of delivering high levels of service for relatively modest additional cost over and above what it would have been in the past. And why would you not? It gives you that USP and differentiator in the market. I love these things um, today. I think as, as a society, we've got this shift towards more of a marketing-led approach. Mm. And you can see that evidenced in every interaction you have in every shop and every app you download and every every uh, retailer you engage with. You, you see that customer service is such a hugely important part of it. And the people who fail in the customer service delivery yeah. are, are the businesses that fail pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, and I, you know, you look at. I mean, it's easy to say, but you know, look at Amazon's business model. And actually, if you want to return something on Amazon, it's pretty easy to do that versus most other websites. And that ease of use is probably why it, it's you know, you, you feel yourself having to kind of right. I'm not gonna gonna order this record from a really independent place of a terrible website just because it's a better thing to do, right? But you sit there watching TV on the sofa at night after a couple of glasses of wine, and you thought, I really need that fountain for my cat. I really need that that new pointless gadget for my office. And you don't really, but it's really easy to, to order, isn't it? Absolutely right. And just look at our friends over in retail, uh, and the, the you know Jeff Bezos stealing Christmas. It's a friend of mine who who, uh, who works in retail real estate, and he and, and he can't really compete because uh, Amazon can do it much cheaper and much faster, which is uh, pretty sad. Yeah.
Well, I guess it's good if you're in the logistics and big box and, and last mile space. Those they, those guys are doing very well um, right now. So, you know, so I guess, look, I mean, so as, as we head into 2021, other than last mile logistics and data centers and, and all of those things that are going to support Amazon and Shopify and, and, and this growing breed of e-commerce titans, um, what is the investor sentiment looking like then towards residential and and where do you see pbsa sitting within within a diversified real estate portfolio for institutions there's going to be a lot of rebalancing of portfolios over the next 12 to 18 months as people take stock of the situation post-covid as people take stock of revaluations and those revaluations are going to take time to filter through the system aren't they as people as as people then uh, are able to determine occupier strength in, in commercial real estate um, so as that, what, what are you expecting to happen there? And, and where do you then expect PBSA to sit when that's all fallen through the, through it's come through the system? Yeah, I mean, there's, there are billions and billions of dollars around the world with allocations towards real estate. And a lot of the places that that cash would have found a home, uh, just the, the risk reward proposition has changed dramatically. So previously you might have invested in retail or hotels or hostels or similar sorts of businesses with um, a counterparty with a reasonably strong covenant or a very strong covenant. And th- those uh, and those covenants have been called into question, and I would extend that to the office market as well, where we work, uh, obviously turned the office market upside down over the past few years. But even before that, you were signing office leases for 5, 10, 15, 20 years in some cases. So I think, I think we're definitely seeing... Um, uh, the old or the, the old guard or, the, or that old order being disrupted dramatically, and beds and sheds, as you've rightly said, seem to be seem to be those asset classes that have been most resilient through all of the um, financial crises and recessions we've had certainly in the past twenty years. There's student accommodation, occupancy growth, and uh, you know, and total return lines have continued uh, almost regardless right the way through those periods. Uh, student accommodation occupancy is high and rents are being paid and um, residential occupancy is high and rents are being paid so i think i think we're going to see um most investors increasing their weighting in fact they're telling us now they're increasing their weighting to these asset classes uh, and sheds and data centers following following on behind so i think you're right we are seeing that um that most investors don't see value in retail and offices right now and do see it in residential. Mm. And that can only serve to drive in uh, drive in yields and increase uh, development, arguably. However, what we're seeing at the moment is, there's, there's certainly in the UK, those development costs have, have climbed very, very quickly over the last few years to the, uh, far more quickly than the equivalent rent. So uh, some schemes we're seeing for the first time now that aren't viable to develop. And that's a, it's a reasonably new feature to the UK market. So development's going on, but there's a sense of that pipeline beginning to beginning to tail off. So what will happen then? More investors chasing uh, fewer assets uh, can only result in yield, yield coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and reflecting on COVID, and we're not out of it yet, um, what have been some of the, you know, if you had to pick two or three key learnings for you, um, you know, with, you know with, a, with a pan-European um student housing business managing not just all the 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 human interactions that you have day to day but obviously all the the different local governments regulatory systems in different countries you know it's obviously been a minefield of complexity 
what have been some of the takeaways from it? What what are some of the positive things when when you know when you sit with your your family over Christmas, uh, over Christmas dinner? What are some of the things that you'll reflect on? Well, yeah, twenty twenty has been a tumultuous year for anybody, uh, for everybody. Uh, full stop. Uh, people involved in purpose-built student accommodation, I, I think, in 2020, really found that um, it, 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 it te- the businesses tend to be quite light on staff because it, it's it, it's a very predictable cycle that you you have in student accommodation. Students move in in September, and uh, that's a big process. You start letting rooms in October, November. You, you spend the year letting rooms in a relatively steady-state environment. And then in August, student, or July, August, students move out. You clean all the rooms and they move back in in September. So, so it's very predictable and you can resource according to that, um, to that calendar. And that means that most people in purpose-built student accommodation work incredibly hard in August and September, but then can manage their workload more effectively and smooth it throughout the rest of the year. And what happened this year is in that down period for the sector where everybody breathes a huge sigh of relief and, and gets ready for the next September. Uh, what happened, we had the pandemic and everything just was thrown up in the air. Students moving out, uh, rent refunds, systems, processes and technology that weren't equipped to push money out as quickly as it is to come back, uh, as it is to take in, sorry. So, uh, so, so much um, has changed in the past six months around particularly flexibility and systems and processes and um, calling, calling um, perhaps increased liaison with investors and banks, uh, which has been a, a positive thing coming out of this. I think the, the, the investors and banks have perhaps been more in the detail and understood their businesses uh, more, than they, more than they might have done in the past. But also in this, this, uh, this year for me is where ESG has been really put to the test as well, because the system and processes of governance have had to move far more quickly than they are um, accustomed to. And for the first time in student accommodation, there's bad news been moving up and down the chain as well. Hey, the students are moving out. Hey, the students might need some rent back. Hey, we need to put in additional uh, safety measures and cleaning regimes, which is going to cost money. So for almost the first time, there's been bad news moving up and down the uh, investment, uh, the investment um, cap stack, if you will, as well. And so um, it's been great to see that. Certainly um, my biggest observation is just seeing some of these Massive organisations uh, pulling together, um, recognising that there's a problem, and organisations that you might not have previously known had really strong ESG uh, policies, uh, looking at this and saying, hey, what's the right thing to do for the students? So we've seen a lot of that. So it's great for us as operators to kind of go, hey, you know, we should refund the students their money because it's a really bad situation, there's a pandemic on. But for the investor to, to be of the same mind, and in some cases going further than we were prepared, preparing to go um, by way of helping students, smoothing their journeys, um, giving them refunds where, where, where appropriate or, or, or um, requested, um, whilst continuing to fund the buildings to the point where we can continue operating them for the students who stay behind. That's, that's been great to see. So just been great to see those investors who get, sometimes get a bad press for just focusing on the bottom line. But here in the pandemic, they're taking a very, um, to, using that ESG uh, terminology again, taking a very social approach to how are we going to help these young people through this. Uh, protect the long-term value of the asset, of course, but not to the, not to the absolute detriment of people who are living there. And that's been great to see. Yeah, yeah. So a focus on ESG, a focus on well-being, and of course, uh, congratulations again for the, uh, the, the European Wellbeing Award that you won recently at the 
class student housing uh, awards and and some positive sentiment there on on the future of the sector actually you know ironically driven by uh, pressures on the development side of things that that could ultimately prove beneficial for investors in the UK market certainly over the next 12 months so thanks a lot for your time Brian Welsh and we hope you have a wonderful Christmas and have plenty of time to reflect on, on what's been obviously a hugely challenging year and to you certainly won't be going out anywhere so uh, plenty of time to reflect thank you then to Brian Welsh from Nido Student always great to chat some fantastic thoughts there and, and good to hear that uh, ultimately investor sentiment is strong uh, there's there's a lot of positivity around the market and we look forward to to a really good strong rebound over the next year or so and and really we'll celebrate this this increased focus that we've now got around innovation esg and above all well-being of different people i'm andrew teacher from blackstock consulting thanks very much for listening see you soon